Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com code SUPER24. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. From there, I started working with the state environmental protection agency, MDEQ. I was promoted to a Jackson office. I did some time there, and then uh, I went on to serve as the solid waste manager for the city of Jackson. I spent a little bit of time as the information director with the Mississippi Democratic Party. And also, I uh, served as uh, commissioner vice chairman uh, at the uh, Jackson Municipal Airport Authority. Uh, presently, I'm serving on four nonprofits around the city of Jackson that are based in uh, community work. Thank you for the introduction. Could you share with the viewers why you decided to pursue the Fifth Ward Council seat? Well, I've lived here for the past 22 years and I absolutely love the houses and just the nature of the people. Uh, this, this is the only place I, I wanted to live, uh, but I, I'm starting to see it decay and uh, there be there are plenty of issues. So I decided to step up. I have the training, I have the background, and I have the passion um, to uh, make a difference. So I'm stepping up and want to use all my skills as the uh, city councilman. Great, great. So you mentioned that it's going down, which means that there's some problem, there are probably some critical issues that you can present to us today. However, my question is, What's the most critical issue in your ward, in Ward 5, that you would like to present? And if you are elected as City Council of Ward 5, how would you tackle or resolve that issue? Okay. Uh, thanks for the question. Very good question. There's, like, uh, as you know, there are a lot of different issues in West Jackson and Ward 5. One of the things I continuously hear as I'm knocking on doors and talking to uh, uh, to some of the residents is the abandoned properties. Uh, that's one thing uh, a lot of folks say, hey, they walk out their door, cross the street, there's an abandoned property, there's a grown up lot, 
and a lot of folks are afraid that's going to impact their uh, property values and it's you know it can help uh, perpetuate crime in the community uh, just a lot of different effects that it would have uh, but that's one of the things that I'm hearing the most often uh, about what I would do first of all is to on the city council I will make sure we have funding that's directed to code enforcement and other organizations that are involved uh, in the process of cleaning up abandoned properties and tearing down houses, as well as uh, work with Revitalize Mississippi and other nonprofit groups that are involved as well. In the community, I would like to, first of all, make an inventory where, what streets is impacted. And then uh, once I make it, an inventory, I'm able to work with code enforcement, but also work with the community. I believe that's one of the uh, hidden strengths that that we haven't tapped completely into. Like to work with the community, a lot of our elders, they know who owns the property. They may even know where they're at. So I like to work with them to see if we can't contact the owners uh, and, and get permission for us to clean them up. And so uh, that's one way of working through the neighborhood, again, from the council, directing the funding to those efforts and, uh, and personnel and in the community working with them to clean up. And I've been doing that uh, personally as a former president. I just stepped down last month, president of Keep Jackson Beautiful. I've been doing a lot of work uh, with abandoned properties and litter control and so forth. Uh, so I know that's very important uh, piece of the puzzle. Some of the things that it caused, in addition to crime and loss of property value, it can also discourage potential homeowners from moving into the community. And that's a biggie because if we if we constantly lose our residents, then we, we're losing uh, as part of our tax base. We're losing our ability to provide more services to the entire city. And we also, and um, the more population we have, the more that we can attract businesses. Businesses are going to follow uh, people. So if we can populate all those neighborhoods, first of all, stabilize the neighborhoods. Secondly, populate them, business will come in because basically that's what they do. So uh, that's, uh, again, one of my key uh, initiatives, uh, one of the, uh, uh, a serious problem in West Jackson that I'd like to address. Okay, well, since we have a little extra time, I would like to ask that same question, but as opposed to us focusing on Ward 5, respond to that question focusing on the city of Jackson. Well, um, I think uh, Ward 5 have uh, a more exaggerated case of, um, of uh, community degradation due to uh, abandoned properties, trash and garbage, dumping, but it applies to the entire city. And generally the land owner, or excuse me, house owner, homeowners are the same way. You know, I can go down in, in uh, South Jackson or even in North Jackson, any place where, where life is coming, is creeping into a community. Part of that equation is folks moving out, uh, for various reasons, but blight is coming in 
the folks have the same issues. And that is, you know, they want to hold on to their property value. They want to hold on to the memories. Elderly folks, you know, they remember our communities a certain way. They want to keep it that way. But the communities across the city has to be stabilized and then built up. And basically that's my platform is, is uh, making that connection between the government services and the community. But all the, all the initiatives that I have are based in and around the community. Because I think, again, that's our untapped resource. Well, you mentioned government and community. However, this next question will not be focusing on either of those. It's gonna talk about business. What do we do about the economic development of our city and especially Ward 5? Well, again, uh, some of the same answers, basically. We really have to focus on the communities. Communities, if we can get the communities under control, control crime there, uh, business will be more encouraged to stay in Jackson. Uh, you know, we, we're constantly losing our businesses, and that's not good. And so we have to work with them. Uh, I intend on visiting all the uh, first inventory and all the businesses within Ward 5, then visiting them, asking what are your issues? What can I do as your city councilman? And bringing them to the table uh, on the council as well as in the community. What I'd like to do is I'd like to have a strong connection between the businesses and the folks that walk through their doors, the community. Uh, and if we can do that, we can all work together towards crime and other issues um, that uh, prevent businesses from uh, thriving within our city. I've observed other cities that are about the same size as Jackson and uh, watched them thrive. What I've learned is they've set a strategic plan in place. What is your strategic plan that you've set in place once you are elected or if elected to serve Ward 5? Okay. One of the first things I wanna do is, or the first thing that I will acknowledge is, I'm, a, I'm the city's, I'm the Ward 5 representative. Okay, so their issues are my issues. The first thing I want to do is go in and publicize. This is the telephone number. This is my office number. We have a website up. I want to first start that chain of communication first. And then as issues come in, uh, I'll filter them, categorize them, find city uh, functions that can resolve those issues, as well as um, contacting the neighborhoods and seeing what they can do. Uh, now that's, again, that's just a part of the, the uh, overall plan, but that's an important plan. My uh, my uh, slogan that we use is move forward together. And first of all, we have to have action. We have to get off zero, stop. Uh, we have to make sure that we acknowledge that these are legitimate problems because some folks, you know, they don't believe that anyone's listening. So we have to legitimize these concerns and then forward um, for in my plan, that means I want everything to be accounted for and we have come up with a simple plan that includes neighborhood, businesses, churches, um, associations, groups, et cetera. We, we need to make sure that we have something that's understood 
from the entire population. Because if we can get 20 plus thousand folks in one direction, uh, we're, we're unstoppable. But, but the key is to have education. And I want everyone from five years old to 95 years old to know what's going on, to have complete transparency. Uh, and then the other part is uh, going to the council and directing the funds and uh, evaluating contracts and, uh, and making other decisions on a citywide level. I'm glad you got that plan mapped out. That's the beginning of being a good city councilman. Good luck, and that finalizes our questions. Thank you. Mr. Harley, thank you so much for joining the Women for Progress radio show tonight. We thank you so much for your time, and you. we wish you much safety out there while you're on the campaign, and uh, and thank you for joining us tonight. Can I, can I add one more thing? Sure. I'd like, I like to thank Dr. Thompson uh, for all their efforts. Uh, you know, I'm a retired veteran and folks say, thanks for your service. Well, right now you guys are on the front line and I'm extremely grateful. Uh, Dr. Robert Smith is one of my neighbors. Uh, he lives right across the street. Uh, every time I see him, I'm just asking the doc, what do you want? What can I do? But, uh, you guys are all a part of, uh, uh have the responsibility of having to heal our country and help our citizens. And I'm thankful for that. Kudos, kudos, ditto. And Dr. Robert Thank Thompson, you. Dr. Thank Robert you. Smith, my goodness, uh, what what a, a staunch warrior for the state of Mississippi. Oh my goodness, we cannot say enough uh, for yes. his love and care for this city and this state. He is just incredible. All right, so we're gonna let you uh, uh, step out, uh, Mr. Hartley, and we're gonna invite in our next uh, set of guests that's been sitting on our couch in the back. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we're going to uh, invite in our next uh, set of guests that's been sitting on our couch in the back. <laughs> so uh, I think we got everybody in. Okay. And uh, so uh, I want to just remind our audience again that you've been listening to the Women for Progress radio show. And of course, we're in municipal election season. And so we've been talking for the last couple of weeks and to several of the candidates who are running for uh, crucial offices in their particular city and town. So we have two wonderful guests from Byron, Mississippi. Uh, that uh, are going to be talking with us tonight also. And before I turn it over to Miss Monique, I want to remind everyone again that on Monday, every Monday night of the month of March, this has been Women's History Month, uh, NMHS Unlimited Film Productions in association with Women for Progress of Mississippi, we've been premiering a movie and a follow-up conversation every single Monday night in the month of March. And I want you, if you have not, if you missed those amazing programming, uh, we got another Monday coming up, this Monday at 7 p.m. And we're talking with the incredible attorney, Constance Slaughter Harvey, Harvey and her daughter, Olivia. If I can have everybody, uh, sorry, that was. Uh, so I'm going to have everybody to um, to make sure that you mark your calendars for this, this coming Monday night at 7 p.m. Join us for that great movie premiere and that conversation. 
And if you haven't, you said, well, hey, I saw the one on Monday night and it was incredible and I want to just check out the others. Go to this page that you're watching right now, click on videos, and all of those four, uh, previous productions will be on the Women for Progress page. Share them with friends and loved ones. We want to remind you to continue to like our page, share our information, our conversation with your family and friends and loved ones, and stay tuned and be part of the conversation every time Women for Progress turns its light on, okay? So I'm going to turn the, the, this next section, uh, session with Women for Progress Radio tonight back over to the incredible attorney Monique Montgomery. You have the floor. Thank you, Madam President. Good evening, ladies. It's such a joy to see both of you pursuing this position and to serve our community. Having women move into progress is what we're all about. I'd like to start with Ms. Irma Johnson. She is actually pursuing the candidacy for the candidate of Alderman 1, seat 1. Ms. Johnson, can you share with us who you are and why you are running? Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you, Monique, for inviting me and having me on the show. As, as she said, my name is Irma Johnson, and I'm running for Alderman Ward 1 in Byron, Mississippi. I've lived here in Byron for 14 years. I've been a resident of Hines County for over 45 years. Uh, I graduated from Alcorn State University and I'm a small business owner. I retired from Delphi Automotives and I'm a small business owner. I've been there since 2011. And my focus is trying to move forward, moving Byron forward is what my focus is all about. Great, great. great. And next, I'd like to introduce Rashonda Harris. Allen, she is pursuing the at-large candidate for the alderman seat in Byram. Would you share with us a little bit about you and also tell us why you have decided to pursue this endeavor? Oh, yes. Um, thank you for having me on today. Um, can you all hear me clearly? Yes. Okay. I borrowed my daughter's headphones, so I want to make sure you all can hear me. <laughs> but um, I actually, I've been living in Byron for almost 20 years now, but I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I came down here in 98 to go to Jackson State University, V.I. Love, and I decided to stay in Mississippi. And after I got married, um, my husband and I moved to Byron, had some children, and we just love the city we live in. Um, I haven't had not one serious issue since I've been here, um, none of my neighborhood, but we all know there's no such thing as perfect, you know, we can always enhance. So I decided to run for Almond at Large, not because I want to change Byron, but because I want to enhance what we already have. My goal is for us as a community to work together so we can build a better Byron. And I um, decided that you know, with my background, my history, and some of my experiences as I work with um, the youth and adults in different settings, I can bring some of that to the city. Great, great. Well, the next question will be for both of you. Ms. Johnson, I'm going to start with you, and then Ms. Allen, you can respond after she provides her response. 
if you received a million dollar grant to use for the city of Byron in any way you wanted to, what would you do with it and why? A million dollar grant. It's a very good question. I think with that grant, I would put emphasis on improving the education system, the educational system, uh, because education is the key to everything. I don't know if you, if people understand that and realize that. If you have a strong education system in your in your area, businesses are, are going to flock to you, families are going to flock to you, and all of that is going to create economic development. So I would think I would do that and then improving the infrastructure of some of that to make sure that everything is safe and it's clean and it's calm and it's friendly uh, environment for people to live in because that's in the end that's all we want. We want to be safe. We want to be happy. We want to be able to work and play and and, and grow and, and, and inspire on, on, on the things that we want to do. We want to have family around us. We don't want crime. And everybody, I don't care who it is, everybody wants those things. And that's that's key, is that you've got to involve your community and pull them in and build that. That's why my slogan is moving Byron forward is 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 that, because there, there are five key elements, economic development, educational, improvement, community involvement, and improving the city infrastructure. And the fifth is supporting our first responders. They have to be supported because they are, they are the, the timeline. They're the, they're, they're the people that help us when we are in a bad situation. They're gonna be the first ones to come to us. So with that million dollars, I know that's a lot, but I think I would start with education and supporting that and moving forward. Great, great. Ms. Harris, Alan, how would you go about spending your million? Well, before I can spend any money, I must find out the need. Um, so I would have to get the boots on the ground, get to walk and start knocking on doors and find out what is the real need for this million dollars, right? And so after I find out what the need is, I would have to organize the community because we won't be able to get everything, you know, we might get 20, 30, 50 requests. So we have to prioritize, organize the surveys, prioritize or aggregate that data. And then I will be able to communicate what I'm able to do with that million dollars, or I will be able to advocate what needs to be done with that million dollars. And so um, that, that would be the first thing I would do. And let's just say the top priority, which I will hope it will be, would be community capacity building. And with community capacity building, you must educate, you must prepare, you must advocate, and you must collaborate so the community can be enhanced. And I would try to make sure there are activities for those to do in the city of Byram. Oftentimes, we have to leave the city of Byram for things. Oftentimes, we have to leave for, if we want to sit down at a restaurant, uh, if we, our children want to play sports. So it's a lot of things that goes on within the city, but you don't want to bring something to the city that the people do not want. So another example would be, we have flooding 
in some places within our city. So should that million dollars go towards getting maybe a retention pond or helping to reduce the flooding? So with the million dollars, you know, you really have to narrow it down to what is the biggest need of the community and how could we spend that money? And I will hope it will go towards the highest need after we have put the boots on the ground and done the assessment within the community. Great, great. Well, once again, I want to let you all know I'm very excited about women pursuing political office. Um, I guess the key thing that I look at when I look at government is it's so male dominant. Um, and so one key area, my area of specialty is contracts. And there is a opportunity for women to embark upon procurement as an elected official, let's say you've both been elected, tell me how you would aid and assist women in taking opportunities with the procurement contract process there in the city of Byram. I'll start with you, Ms. Harris-Allen. Okay, so first I will try to bring in uh, maybe someone from Human Resources and set up some training. Um, some professional development opportunities for women within the community because how can we move forward when we don't know where we're going? So first we have to know, you know, how, what are the steps? What is the process to get in these positions? How do I write a contract? What does the contract look like? You know, and make sure that I'm able to understand the print within the contract. What should I be asking for? What is the MOU? So, um, like I said, I would bring in people to provide some training, some professional development, because what we don't want to happen is you have these, um, you have different things available, or you have RFPs out for people to apply for, and the woman apply and can't get it based upon a small, small issue that they really didn't understand or really didn't know. So education, number one, education will have to be first. And it might be a series of training, or it might be to where you could just sign up to you know, a specific area that you might need help with. That would be number one. Um, number two, I would also advocate. I would take it upon myself to make sure I do advocate for women within the community to get those opportunities. Oftentimes, if you look at data or if you look at statistics from the past, people automatically run to the male figure first. That's the dominant figure. So they're gonna need a strong advocate that knows the importance of equality that knows the importance of woman rights that can advocate for them and everything they're capable of doing within a seat thank you miss johnson yes procurement for women <laughs> well the first thing is uh LaShonda said, you do have to be educated. So they do have to be, people have to be trained, women as well as men. Whatever it is that's out there, you have to have the understanding and the knowledge of how to do the job. Then you have to know how to go and get that job and how to apply for that job. And, and procurement is, is, a, is a scary process, but it is a process. And all you need to do follow that process and prepare yourself because in the end it doesn't matter now if I was if I'm elected as alderman what I would do is I would advocate that women 
have a seat at the table and have an opportunity to, to, to gain those uh, those uh, knowledges and be able to put, put their, their plan in place. Because I think that women bring a very unique opportunity to the business world. They think about details and ideals and they think out of, outside of the box. Sometimes men don't do that and you need that to stretch the dollars that you have. So I would educate and train them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you mentioned the dollars and with government, I think big dollars come in when big companies come in. So what role would you play after being elected in helping bring business, big business to Byron? Well, again, you've got to get out there with boots on the ground and, and study and figure out how to bring things to your community. Um, I would probably do some things like finding out about grants, finding out about businesses that's interested in coming to this city. And then you've got to do, you've got to court the process. You've got to go through the process of encouraging those people to bring businesses to Mississippi, Byron, Mississippi, because they've got to see a worth for bringing their establishment to where you live. And we've got to see a work for having them to come. So I would, uh, I would just be mindful of those things and go out and try to get those companies to come. Economic development. Good. Ms. Harris Allen. So um, same thing, boots on the ground, and also educating myself on which would be the better business or which businesses will best fit our community, and then. After that, um, still educating myself, educating the people in the community. Um, but also, you can bring money to the city without necessarily bringing a major corporation. Um, it's just like any institution. Um, you get a grant writer or someone comes in that's familiar with writing grants. For example, I've written grants for the institution I work with or work at. I've written grants for the past institution. That was a way for us to bring in money without necessarily bringing in 300 or 400 students. We made that up in grant writing. Once you're able to get the money into the city and be, and you're able to kind of build it up the way you want to build it up, then those businesses are going to want to flock to you because they're going to see the development of your city. They're going to say, hey, you know what? I want to be a part of that community. I want to bring my business to Byron. I want to put it on the parkway. Who can I talk to? And I'll be right there for them to talk to, for us to work out the plan. And come, and they're doing well. And we advocate for that business. We let the community know about that business. They don't have to take their dollars outside the city. Then another business will come along, and it'll end up being a chain reaction. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have two final questions. The first question is a one-word answer. That question is, if the mayor comes in and says, look, I'm going to orchestrate a one-person area of expertise to make this city better, where is your area of expertise and what division would you be heading? Ms. Johnson, I think you're next. <laughs> Repeat 
repeat that question again, please. If the mayor comes in and says, we're going to orchestrate where one person is going to be in charge for a particular division, it's that one area that you have expertise in. You will be responsible for, may it be finance, may it be infrastructure, may it be education, may it be economic development. What seat could you sit in and say, this is my area, I've got it? Okay. Uh, that one seat I would think would be finance. As I said earlier, I, I um, worked for Delphi for 30 years and retired. When I left, I had a burning passion to do something. And it was the start of business. And I, I felt that my finance of a business was my strong point because I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just knew I wanted to do a business. So I think it would be the finance area. And I think I can handle that uh, because I, I'm, I'm so familiar with uh, Excel spreadsheets and building things. I, I, I finance would be my would be would be my uh, expertise. I believe. Awesome, awesome, Miss Harris Allen. Your area, education. Um, I've been working in the field of education in some form since 1999. Um, regardless if it's educating the community, organizing on a main issue, everything starts with education. I'm real comfortable. And educating, I'm real comfortable in doing research and providing that research and also resources to the community. But in order for a community to progress, they have to be educated. So that's where I feel most comfortable. Good, good. We're going to wrap up and just um, have you share with the viewers why you are the candidate that they should vote for to serve in the position that you're running for. Starting with you, you Ms. Harris, Alan. So um, vote for me because I'm authentic, I'm genuine, and I truly do care about the citizens. And I also care about the businesses within Byron, Mississippi. I want to be your advocate. I want to talk to everyone in the community. I don't want to leave no door unknocked on, no person untouched. My goal, my job, regardless, is to advocate for the citizens and for the businesses within Byron, Mississippi. And that's why you should vote for me, because I'm here for you. I'm not here for a title. I'm here because I want to be here, and I want to be able to help in any way that I can. Thank you. Oh, go ahead. Thank you. Ms. Johnson. Okay, um, I'd like the, the listeners and everybody that's on this program understand that Rashonda and I are running for different positions. She is running for Alderman Large, which is citywide. I am running for Alderman Ward 1, and we're not running against each other, so you need to vote, vote for both of us. And so with the two of us, we could uh, bring this city forward. I, I uh, I have a passion for, for, for my community, and I have I've had it all my life. My mother instilled it into me that you must do for others that can't do for themselves, and you must move things forward. You must make a place better than you find it. And so, that's my desire. 
uh, is to move, keep moving Byron forward because it's not a bad place to live. It's, it's actually a pretty nice place. It's very quiet and, and comfortable. But I, I do think that we can move forward, can, can progress in a, in a better manner. So my slogan is to move Byron for, moving Byron forward along with other city leaders. And thank you for having me. It's been a great evening. Thank you for joining us, both our amazing candidates. And Byram, if you are elected, we'll be very fortunate to have both of you serve as their city councilman. Viewers, the election is April 6th. I encourage you, beg you, to please go out and cast your vote and have your voice on who serves in Byram. Thank you, ladies. And thank, thank you, Women for Progress, for having me. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Attorney you Montgomery. So much. You did such a wonderful job in engaging our candidates tonight, and we thank you so much for your service, not only to this organization, but to the city of Jackson. And I want to repeat uh, what one of the candidates said, Ms. Irma said, both of these women are running for all the women for different wards in Byron. So how awesome would it be to have them both elected uh, to the Byron Council? and have two additional women on the council down there. That would be wonderful. So yes. uh, we want you to reach out to their Facebook page, to their website, Google them, give them a call. If you have some questions, you live in the Byram area, uh, and you have some questions for them or want to figure uh, how to connect with them, maybe you want to even volunteer in their campaign. They have a couple of weeks of, of hard service, of knocking on doors and kissing babies and all those kind of things. So they may need your help. I know they need your donations. So please reach out, <laughs> uh, reach out to their various campaigns and, and make sure you give them your support and your ear. And we don't tell people how to vote at the polls, but we tell, we try to present the candidates and, and present, a, provide a platform for them to be able to share their, their passion with you, their plan for the, for their communities with you so you can make a good decision on April 6th. And uh, these uh, women are very powerful women that have been doing wonderful things already in their community. And they sounds like they are good candidates that you can look, be proud of to be on the ballot on April 6th. Now we had one other guest that was waiting in our back sitting on our couch, but I think we, um, they um, are not on. So we're just going to go ahead and wrap up because this has been an awesome, awesome conversation again for Women for Progress Radio. Uh, we are apologize that we didn't get the other candidate that came in a little late to the conversation, but I'm sure our executive producer will arrange another time for him before the election to be, be able to come in and talk to our constituents and the folks that uh, stay tuned to this station. But I want to thank all of the candidates again. Thanks so much for Mr. Vernon Hartley, who did a great job on our first half hour. And thanks so much for uh, Ms. Harris Allen and, and Ms. Johnson uh, for coming on and sharing your platforms with us tonight. Thanks so much, Dr. Thompson, for always being the incredible, incredible woman and doctor that you are. Thank you so much for your service for, to Women for Progress and this network. And thanks again, Attorney Montgomery, for a fantastic, fantastic God job. Okay, we're going to be tuning out today. We will see you again 
next Thursday at 5.30 at the very same time on this very, very same station, very, very same platform. Thank you so much and have a great evening. Good luck, ladies. Good luck. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.